Amen. Well, good morning, church. Man, y'all making me follow up after that. That's uh, yeah, that was that was something special. Um, it's funny. So we we got here. Usually, well, lately it's been Veronica will drop me off and me and Kalos off, and then her and Tirza will go back uh, home, and then they'll come back right before service. But you know, to set up the stuff in the foyer. We all came today, and it was it was a, uh, it was super cool. Like the doors open, and my daughter came in, and she saw that the church was empty, and she said, "Where's the church?" You know, and uh, at that young age, I don't even think she's aware of what she said, but we caught it, and we we're like, "Wow, that's pretty cool." Um, and you know, the Lord will speak a lot to you through young children, and you'll get a glimpse of what He's what he's trying to reveal to you through the young ones, whether it's your children, your grandchildren, children you care for, children you know in the neighborhood. And uh, yeah, it's a, there's a real reality to, I think this this Christmas season more so than, than ever. Um, you know, as the Holy Spirit came upon me yesterday morning, I, I had another moment with my children, which was super cool. Just, uh, you know, we did our, our little quick Bible study we do in the morning and Kalos wanted to read the, the scripture and he wanted to he wanted to uh, hang up, as, as we call it. He wanted to pray us out. And, uh, you know, as I go through moments where I'm like, man, it's just, you know, it, it's difficult. It's hard. It's trying. But, you know, little moments like that, you see like, man. You see things grab hold. You see the Lord grabbing hold of, of these children. And so it's super encouraging. Um, right before that, it, it was, uh, as I said, you know, the Holy Spirit came upon me and I just sensed a deep heaviness as far as like, you know, people need to be converted uh, because the reality is Jesus is harvesting souls. He's been harvesting souls, but there's going to come a time where this earth is going to turn to dust and there's going to be no more. And when there's no more, there's no more. The door is closed, as we learned last week. He opens up doors that only he can open, and he shuts doors that only he can shut. And so as we go through this Christmas season, uh, which for us as believers is every day, but it's even more special at this time of the year, you know, just, uh, just, I, just, I just encourage you to just seek out what the Lord would have for you to do. And how he would have you to share the truth of his son. Because uh, there's just so many people out there that are hurting, that are lonely, that are seeking and searching high and low for all kind of things to fill their lives. But they don't realize that Christ is the one. And as me and Sal were, were praying this morning, it's, it's very interesting. I get a sense that the Lord's like, the door's open, but he's grieved so much because there's very few people that are actually walking through that door. Many people intellectually understand or think they understand this whole thing about Christ and the whole thing about the baby in the manger. But, you know, our faith is measured by obedience, right? We don't want to be unconverted believers where we believe intellectually, but there's no, there, there's nothing that takes residence in our lives that changes us. That changes our lifestyle to who the Lord created us ultimately to be. Amen. All right, I'm already I'm already preaching before I even get into uh, the word. Um, amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, we're taking a break from the Book of Revelation this week, and uh, we'll be in Isaiah chapter nine, verse six. It's so funny because uh, <laughs> I'm like early in the week. I'm like, okay. Lord, I believe what I know what you're showing me. We're gonna do six and seven. And then it's like middle of the week, the Lord's like, stop. Focus on just verse six. So with that, we're in Isaiah chapter nine, verse six. If you would please stand and I will read God's word, and then we'll get into our message. Uh, Isaiah 
chapter 9, verse 6. And it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. All right, let's pray. Father God, Lord, we, we come before you and we ask that you would seriously humble us. Lord, is that, uh, that song before the children sang, it's speaking of the shepherds quaking at the sight of this baby Jesus. How much more will this world be quaking at the sight of the risen King coming back in all his splendor and glory? Father, may, may we truly get a glimpse of what you have for us in this season and show us individually, Lord, and collectively what we are to do, how we are to do it. Lord, give us boldness. Lord, give us strength and courage in the face of adversaries to be able to proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ and not shy away from that. Lord, may we take our orders from you. May we live to be reflections of the love of Jesus so that people around us can just have an opportunity to get saved before time is too late. May we truly enjoy this, this Christmas season. I was about to say holiday season. Uh, and just, just be reminded of just all the, the glorious things you have for us in your son, Jesus Christ. So, Father, we thank you and love you. We pray this all in your son, Jesus Christ's precious name. Amen. Amen. All right. As I said, we're taking a break from the book of Revelation this week, but it's, it's, just, it's just pretty interesting because it really doesn't matter because the entirety of the good news is a revelation of Jesus Christ. And as we've talked about it before, wherever you go in the, 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 the Holy Scriptures, you're going to find revelation of God. Revelation of God is actually mercy being extended to you and I. Because there's many people that are out in this world right now, out in society, and their hearts are darkened to the truth. And the revelation of God has not hit them where they needed to hit. Again, we talked earlier about just this intellectual understanding. That, that's not going to cut it, right? <laughs> when we stand before the holy and true God, intellectually understanding Him is not going to cut it. That's not what He's looking for. He's looking for has your life been converted? Has my life been converted? Have I been changed? Have I submitted fully to the understanding that I need a Savior and that Savior is Jesus Christ? You see, while many in the world today look at Christmas as a time of simply just gift giving and holiday cheer, there is a much more deeper purpose of the celebration of it. You know, we've in some ways commercialized what Christmas is. And we don't want to, I, I like, I think uh, the, the church, Wellsprings, they had a banner up. I don't know if it's still up, but it said, or maybe it's when you come in, it says, keep Christ in Christmas. You know, the whole point of why we celebrate Christmas is that Jesus Christ came, he came to die. The beautiful baby, right? Precious little baby. There's a precious little young one right there. A precious, sinless baby coming into the world to die, you know? For the sins of the world. A lot of people just stop at, oh, well, baby Jesus is cute in the manger, you know, in the trough. And that's it. They don't get to the point where, why? well, why did he come? It's been said, uh, you know, the most wonderful time of the year, that song. Well, why is it the most wonderful time of the year? Because every person on the face of the earth has the opportunity to have their sins forgiven and be in right relationship with God Almighty. And that's why it's the most wonderful time of the year. Christmas is the annual celebration, again, of Jesus Christ coming to the world, taking on flesh to live a perfect, sinless life, offering himself as the final sin offering. No more would goats or, 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 or excuse me, uh, rams or animals have to be uh, butchered and slaughtered in order to appease uh, God's wrath on the annual day of atonement. But Jesus is that final sacrificial lamb to take away the sins of the earth for all 
who would receive his gift of salvation. And we all know it came at a heavy price. He had to lay his life down, right? He laid his life down voluntarily, but it wasn't easy. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, you know, uh, asking if there's any other way, take this cup of suffering from me. But because he's perfect and sinless and fully in line with the will of, of his father as the son of God, he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Wow. Praise God that he was willing to do that. If he didn't do that, then we'd have no reason to celebrate. You could have all the gifts in the world. You could have the, mo- the brand new Mercedes Benz. You could have the brand new house on the hill. You could have the brand new uh, job with, you know, six figure, seven figure salary. It ain't going to mean jack if you don't have Jesus Christ reigning on the inside, sitting on the throne of your heart. Amen. Today we will focus on a prophecy from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, which was written about 700 years before the time of Jesus. The prophet Isaiah spoke of a son who would be called Mighty God and Eternal Father. Isaiah also expressed that this son would reign on the throne of King David and that this reign would be everlasting, everlasting, eternal, never ending. It's still still difficult for me to try to uh, understand that in my limited range of thinking as a human being. It blows my mind. (laughs) Infinite, eternal. But, But this is true and this is the Lord's reign. You see... Christians acknowledge that this prophecy is fulfilled in Jesus Christ, who was a descendant of King David and whose reign is everlasting. The New Testament also says that Jesus will return in the future and that his kingdom will have no end. Again, this is truly the reason why this is the most wonderful time of the year, because Jesus Christ is the savior for humanity so that we would not need to suffer eternal death and damnation we would not have to incur the wrath of almighty god but we would be called sons and daughters children of the most high and be at peace with him amen that's a that's a beautiful thing that's a that's that that's the that's the greatest picture that's the greatest revelation that the world could ever receive and we all know the the most famous Bible verse in the in the in the world. You, you'll you'll see it on end zones. You know, in a football game, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him may not perish, but have eternal life. But the reality of that verse is, is two parts. We have to, on our half, believe, and it has to be a real belief, a belief that manufactures real change, real submission, real humility. Not just this again intellectual understanding it has to go beyond your mind and get to your heart and get from your heart to your feet which changes the course of one's life and your lifestyle and your decision makings and how you view people and how you view god and how you view yourself oh it's all good little baby you know that's what has to happen right that's what we that's what we should be that's what we should be striving after not work base please don't get me wrong but what i'm saying is that should be our will Lord, help my life to fall in line with what you would have for me to do. Oh, if you want to be fulfilled in this life, that's the route you need to go. Because you're going to be filled with joy no matter what your consequences are. Because you're living out your life as God intended for you. So that he may receive honor and glory through how you live through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's such a beautiful thing. So we have several main points. And the first one is this. God Almighty came to earth 100% God and 100% man. I know that just right off the bat, someone who's not really uh, fond of Christianity, they're already going to scoff at that. What? You're telling me that God came to earth 100% God and 100% man? How can I even understand that? Well, you and I can't understand that without the revelation and the revealing of who Jesus is to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. But the reality is this, Jesus came to save sinners. You see, he didn't come to teach morals. He didn't come to fix the environment. He didn't come to model manners and nice living. The reason I say that is because some teach that he came for those reasons alone, which is 
a half truth, which is a whole incorrect truth. There's no white lie. It's just not true. While Jesus Christ's life here on earth does teach us morals and model how humanity should live, uh, submitting to the one true God, the full, complete main purpose for Jesus Christ coming to earth was to save sinners. He didn't come to counsel people, even though he is the great, wonderful counselor. You know, a lot of times we have all these counseling sessions and counseling sessions are good. But as I've heard it said before, Jesus never counseled a demon out of anyone. (laughs) He cast them out. And, And in the same manner, Jesus cast out sin from this world by giving his life as a ransom for any who would receive this wonderful, beautiful gift that he offers to mankind. You see, every person is a born sinner, regardless if they believe it or not. It took a very long time for me to have to really swallow that pill and understand it. But the Lord made it vividly clear that I am far from a good person. (laughs) I'm a straight wretch, wretched, poor, blind and naked. And then he came into my heart and changed me and converted me. And now I'm a new creation in Jesus Christ. And I pray that that's a testimony that we all share That we all had to come to that realization that it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what your mommy and your pappy did or what kind of heritage you have. You're a born sinner. As much as I love my children, as as precious as they are to me, they were born sinners and they need salvation. They need to be converted. And I I can't wish that upon them. I can't push that upon them. That's something that they have to come to the understanding and the realization of when they come to the age of accountability. And that's for every person. And that's what goes back when I talk about that door's open and the Lord is grieving so much because there are so many people that are alive today that are of the age of accountability and they are not choosing to walk through the door and have eternal life. And instead, they're going to face an eternity of hell apart from him. And it's so serious because when the scrolls are rolled up, like I said before, not even my words, as the word says, there is not going to be another chance. But you, I, I heard something on K, uh, KFAX the other day. Uh, I can't remember the lady's name, but she was 94 years old and she got saved. And she said, you know what? While you got breath in your lungs, today is the day of salvation. She thought she was saved. She lived a life of intellectually understanding the word of God and living a life thinking that she was a born again believer. But she she came to realize well, as a friend, uh, you know, stayed with her for for a few, however long it was. She ended up realizing that she really had never given over her life to Jesus Christ at 94 years old. Praise God that the Lord had mercy on that woman. And she came to understand the truth of Jesus Christ. And now she can, she can rest knowing that her salvation is secure in Him and Him alone. And she doesn't have to question whether or not she's going to be with Him in heaven, in paradise, in eternity, forever, whenever that time comes. And that's, that's something that we all have to settle And if we settled it today, we need to continue on and figure out, Lord, what is it you want me to do? How can I be an effective witness in this world? How can we be used in such a mighty way? Every single one of you have so many great qualities, God-given gifts and talents that the Lord has given you. And he wants to work through your life. And, and, And the world can be shaken up. It doesn't take a whole arena of people. It just takes one person. Every person, every soul is worth so much. And if we see people like that and we do our part led by the Holy Spirit, man, we can see mighty things happen in these last moments before it all goes down, right? Before it's going to get way more intense than some dumb mask that we got to wear indoors because Santa Clara County is still on this whole hype. I don't even want to get into all these. uh, It's just a mess. I'll get sidetracked. I'll get sidetracked. I really will. Because I, I, have, I have my own bone to pick with all that. But I'm doing my best to render to Caesar what's Caesar's and to render to God what's God's. Because at the end of the day, I need to honor him. And, then, and nothing dumb like this little thing is going to stop me, Lord willing. The interaction between Jesus and the wee little man. <laughs> I, don't have the, I don't have the Irish accent. But the wee little man, Zacchaeus, describes this beautifully. This whole idea of us being born sinners. Luke chapter 19, verse 9 and 10 tells us, and Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house 
since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Those are Jesus' words. Those are Jesus' words. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The lost is just simply another term that means the exact same thing as sinner. So if you're lost, you're a sinner. He came to seek you out. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 11 gives us another clear explanation of why Jesus Christ came to the earth. And I'll read it. And it says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to even die. I think of firefighters, people on the, on the, uh, you know, on, on the front lines, people that serve uh, faithfully. I'm sorry that I'm breaking into the verses, but, but this is what I'm thinking about. This is what I sense the Lord showing me when he says, for one will only scarcely, well, one, uh, one will die for a good person, right? Even to die. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, how much shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God? For if while we were enemies, were reconciled to God by the death of his son, how much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life? More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. My goodness, that's such a beautiful explanation, a beautiful picture. He said, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. There's nothing we can do about our condition to change. And I think that's why sometimes some people get so depressed or stressed out or veer off the path and go to this and go to that because they're like, well, there is something in me where I know that I'm not right, but I can't fix myself. And I don't want to give myself over to Jesus because I don't believe that's real. So I'm going to go look in all these other places, right? We try to fix ourselves, but we can't do it. But he says clearly that while we were still sinners, we were saved and we've been justified by his blood and we've been reconciled, reconciled which is it's just a big word of just meaning we've been brought back in the right relationship, right standing. You ever been, have, have you ever had a, a strained relationship with someone before? Whether it be a mother and child, a father and son, maybe a sibling, maybe a friend. And while that, that relationship is strained, there's just there's this uneasiness, there's just this tension, there's this, it could even be bitterness or pain or disappointment or hurt. And then it takes what? Humility. Somebody's got to humble themselves and come and reconcile, be reconciled to the other person. But when that, reconcil- when that reconciliation takes place, excuse me, there's peace. There's calm. It's gentle. There, there, there's, there, there's hope. There's love. And, and, and that, that's just a picture. That's the best way I can describe it of what Jesus Christ did for us. And now we have this peace and this joy and this stillness that comes upon us because of the goodness of the Lord. It sounds like Tirza. Man, Tirza be, I swear, you ask Veronica, she just, she just be growling and she uses these crazy, I'm like, girl, what are you doing? Oh man, it's so funny. It sounds like Tirza. That's a trip. These kids, these kids are on a good one. They know. Again, the reality is this earth is still spinning. I mentioned it before because Jesus is still harvesting souls. But once that time is rolled up, that's it. There's not going to be any more opportunity. So anyone who hears the Lord's call and responds, amen, should rejoice continually, right? Understanding that they have been saved from eternal death. And I think that's, that's us in here today. I can say, well, obviously only the Lord knows the hearts, but I see the fruit and I, I sense what's going on. So we as believers, you know, we need to be continually rejoicing. This needs, to, I mean, this needs to get into the fiber of who you are. I mean, it just should be, you know, it doesn't matter what's going on. You know, yes, there's difficult things that happen. There's circumstances that go on. But you know what? Again, what do we allow ourselves to come into agreement with? 
I'm not going to allow myself to come into agreement with the things that Satan is trying to press upon my life. But I'll say rejoice again in the Lord. Whenever you're down and despondent, rejoice and praise God out loud. Don't be afraid to do it. It doesn't matter if you're in traffic and someone looks at you sideways. Nobody cares anyways. Well, we don't wear a mask in the car, but whatever. No one cares. Rejoice. Praise God. And Satan will flee from you. The demons will flee from you because they tremble at the sound of his voice. And when you praise him, despite your circumstances, you get a better perspective. Of, you get a true perspective of what's going on. And, and though your physical body is wasting away, your eternal soul is rejoicing. And on and on you will for eternity because of who God is. I dare you to do that. Maybe you already do that. But that's something that I've been challenged to do. When I'm despondent and going through things... Praise God all the more. And it just changes your circumstances. And you're like, okay, I can deal with this. It's all good. You know, because I'm, my, my, my mind is set on the destination, not, not just the traveling there. Right? A lot of times, many people get caught up in just the life, the life that we go through. They don't realize that there's an end goal. What's the end goal, Christian? Your end goal is to be with the Lord forever in eternity and be conformed fully to the image of Jesus Christ morally. And so if we have that perspective, you're going to get through this life with a whole lot more joy. But if you're not eternally minded, any little flat tire, mix up, any little thing that goes against what you think is supposed to go down for the schedule of your life. Oh, man, you're going to be tore up from the floor up. You're going to be all messed up. You're going to be so embittered and mad because it's not going the way you want. But you know, many times it's the things that don't go the way we want that the Lord is using to mold us and to shape us and to form us more into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. It's the difficult things of life. That's what brings out the character that the Lord wants to mold in us. Amen. The second main point is this. Jesus Christ is the only one who can give true, lasting peace to someone's life. I look out at the world. If there was ever a time that this world needed peace, it's now. You know, you, you can look at, uh, I guess it was the 60s, John Lennon. Yeah, he was in around that time. And, and the whole, I know that the Beatles weren't part of the hippie movement, or maybe they were, and I'm kind of dating myself. But, you know, the Woodstock thing, and oh, yeah, peace and this and that. And they're exper- experimenting with all these drugs and, and, and free living. I get what they did, but that's man's wisdom. How did that peace work out? Not too good, Right. But only Jesus Christ can give true lasting peace into someone's life. Right. And, and, and we're dealing with all kind of stuff that's, that it's nothing new under the sun. But we see it in the extent, intense, extreme ways in society right now in 2021. Racial tensions boiling over world superpowers battling for world dominance, political parties playing chess with human lives. All this we see going on around us every single day. Everywhere you look, you see violence and hatred in such a despicable manner. That nature, that that awful sin nature that's found in every human being. Well, the only remedy to cure that curse of sin and death is the peace and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ that he offers to those who humble themselves and gladly receive it. John chapter 14, verse 27 says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. That's the Lord's words to us. That's his, that's his encouragement to us. He says he gives not like the world gives. He says, let not your heart be troubled. There are many troubles and tribulations we'll go through in this life. But he says, don't let your heart be troubled by them. The troubles of this life will just wear you out if you allow it. Again, this principle of what do we come into agreement with? It's so important for us to recognize what am I coming into agreement with moment by moment in my daily life? Oh, I'm sorry, baby. Many times we find ourselves in messed up situations because somewhere down the line we allowed our thinking to come into agreement with Satan and then we end up messed up. You go back to the Garden of Eden. Eve, she knew God in his glory and his greatness. She, she did not have sin. 
Adam did not have sin, but Satan was just waiting. He was, he was fishing for agreement. And once Eve came into agreement with Satan, it was on. And ever since then, we've had this issue of sin. And we have to really bear down and take control of our minds and be aware, be cognizant of what's going on. I'm not saying be, you know, hypercritical of everything. I'm not saying be annoying and be aggravating and be someone that no one wants to be around. No, I'm talking about having your spiritual antennas up and being able to have discernment and to be able to sense through the power and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit what is going on and who is trying to infiltrate and influence you. Because not everybody is going to come in a manner that's godly. There are going to be many people that are going to try to lead you off of the path. Especially because you're on it. If you're on the path, you're going to come across people that are going to try to divert you in all kind of ways. Twist and tangling you. Sometimes it comes in the form of money. Oh yeah, let's take this job. I got all this money. But you know, we all know a lot more money doesn't necessarily mean it's coming from God. You could be all messed up and you should have just stayed with the humble, you know, (laughs) earnings that you had and you would have been a whole lot better off. I just throw that out there because that's just what came to my mind. But the reality is it can be anything that could throw us off. But we need to be cognizant and aware of these things. The third main point is this. The Lord Jesus Christ's kingdom rule will last forever. The word forever gets thrown around a lot. You know, it's the holiday, so you see a lot of jewelry commercials, whether it be Zales or whoever, Jared. Uh, there's, a, there's, there's a plethora of them. But, you know, these jewelry companies, they make commercials with diamond rings representing forever love, right? Forever love. And, oh, you love her, or he loves you, or she loves her. Because you know, they see that nowadays, too. It's crazy. And, uh, but it's like, this is how you share. This is how you express your adoration and your love for someone as you give them a diamond ring. You see, but eternal, infinite, forever is far more than precious metals formed into beautiful jewelry. Jesus Christ is eternal, the true eternal king of all creation. The Trinity, in their infinite wisdom, created humans with an eternal soul. And though our physical bodies will all one day die, our souls will live on forever. You see, God's desire is that all would repent and turn back to him. That is his desire. His desire is that none perish, but all come to repentance. The creator is the only one who can fulfill a human soul. He's the only one that could truly dwell in the holy of holies in you. Because we know that who is the temple of the true and living God now? Us, right? Our bodies. He's not tripping off a building. He's not tripping off the tabernacle. Your body is the tabernacle of the living God. And he's the only one who can fill that holy of holy place in your heart of hearts. When we do turn back to him... We have a great inheritance. The greatest one we could ever have. The greatest thing we could ever have is to be a citizen of the kingdom of God. And not only a citizen, but a child of the king of the most high God. To be a child of God is the greatest gift we could ever receive. You see, we were all creations of God. We are all creations of God, but we are not all children of God. And that's where other religions and other people who are into mysticism and spiritual things get it extremely twisted unless you submit your life to jesus christ and say you are the only one who could save my soul you are the only one who could stand in the gap who could cleanse me from all of the sins in my life and my sinful eternal nature you are not a child of god you are just a creation of god and his desire is that creation of god be transformed and molded and created into a new creation to become a child of his The only one who truly receives Jesus Christ as their Savior, again, can receive this gift of being a child of God. And this all ties into the Christmas message. You know, I'm sorry I don't have a fluffy, soft, lighthearted message, but that's not what the Lord showed me. The Lord showed me the severity and the intense depravity in humanity and the reality of how the truth of Jesus Christ needs to be continually mold over in the minds and hearts of believers so that we can be motivated to do something about it. 
And not just let it be another old humdrum, I got you a gift card to Old Navy and that's it. There's people that need Christ and we have the ability to do so. All right, this one verse, this one verse. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Okay, this first statement right here. For us, unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. You see, Isaiah is using the Hebrew literary tool of repetition here. Because he's trying to emphasize the point, right? Uh, If you're a parent, you know how this goes. (laughs) Rarely do you say it once. You could have grown children. You're still saying it multiple times. You're trying to get it across. You're trying to repeat yourself to get the point across. A child is born. A son is given. You see, at the same time, we recognize that even though Isaiah used this repetition to speak, the hand of the Holy Spirit was specific in this wording. This wasn't just something that Isaiah just drew up in his mind. This was inspired by the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. This glorious prophecy of the birth of the Messiah reminds Israel that the victory-bringing Messiah would be a man, the Son of God, taking on human flesh. Now, theoretically, the Messiah could have been an angel, right? In theory, he could have just been an angel, or, or the Messiah could have been God without humanity. But neither of those options would have qualified Jesus Christ to be our Savior and high priest because he had to be born. The scripture says the child had to be born. Now, think about this. Let this blow your mind. I'm sure it already has, right? There's nothing more weaker, more helpless, more dependable than a baby, right? They are in such need of care from the mother The father, the caregiver, whoever it is that's in line to take care of them and help them, they are needing every single thing. Every single thing. And 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 this is this was God's plan. The Trinity and all their wisdom said, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna bring the Savior in the form of a baby. (laughs) Wow. And what did the Jews think? We need a, a strong warrior to take down this Roman Empire, and you give us a baby? And, and they had such a difficult time grasping that concept. And it, and it led many of them into, into such uh, just a bitterness, you know, for lack of better words. And they went to back to the, the, the law because they could not see Jesus as the Messiah. But the Messiah could have come as a fully grown man, as an adult, as Adam was. But for Jesus to fully identify with humanity and to display in his life the servant nature that is in God, he came humble, born as a baby. Philippians chapter 2 verse 7 says, He made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. (laughs) That's how he saw fit. To come into this, this world. To teach us. I truly believe to teach us. Because look at we We see. Man we, we, we are the people that we, we steal from one another. We, we lie to one another. We, we, we hate one another. Because of the way we look. Or the background we come from. We, 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 we do all of these nasty things. Why? Because of that sin nature. And Jesus is like no. Don't live like that. I have. I am the remedy. You can be changed and you don't have to live like that. Unto us a son is given. This child would be a man, but more than a man. He is also the eternal son of God, the second person of the Godhead. The Messiah didn't have to be God. Again, he might have been a sinless angel or merely a perfect man like Adam before the fall. But the reality is neither of those applications or options would have qualified the Messiah to be our Savior and high priest as Jesus did. The Son had to be given. We needed a perfect, infinite being to offer up a perfect, infinite atonement for our sins. We needed 
Emmanuel, God is with us. We needed that. We need that. You know, the world is seeking for all these answers to, 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 to make things better, but it's all in Jesus. It's all in Christ. It's interesting. When you look at all of the, the places that America has been involved in forming over the years, and none of them really work out. Why? Because they don't have the main thing. They have walls, but they don't have the structure. They don't, they don't have the real uh, lasting foundation. Excuse me, not the structure, which is Jesus Christ. The reason why this country has stood for so long is because we're based on Judeo-Christian principles from the founding fathers. And when you go out and you build and do all this other stuff in all these other places and countries in the world, but you don't stabilize them with the foundation of Christ, they're going to crumble. We look at the Middle East and we want all this peace over there and this and that, but how can peace ever come there unless Christ be the absolute main point? It can't be. It can't be political parties vying for influence. That doesn't cut it. A Democrat or, Democrat or Republican cannot make world peace. But that's what Satan is going to do when he comes into the scene and the, for the last hurrah. You know, he's going to perform these miracles and these signs and, and have people mystified and lost in a trance thinking that he is the Messiah when clearly he's not. But again, it's only the Lord Jesus Christ who can give us this. The application is this. Again, it may seem repetitive, but hey, I guess we're dumb sheep and we need to hear it over and over again. Don't take it, don't take it as an insult. It's, melt, it's meant to encourage you and to build you up in your faith. This is the true message of Christmas and why we celebrate it. The greatest gift anyone could ever receive is the gift of eternal salvation found in Jesus Christ alone. I understand that some people struggle with this reality. They may say things like, well, how can this be possible? God coming to earth in human form, it's just a fairy tale. A good story to make people want to live better. Have you ever heard that? Well, Jesus is just someone, he's he just trying to make you live better. And it's just an influential teaching. He's a great teacher. A lot of the Muslims, that's how they regard Jesus. So he was a great teacher. He was a great man, but he's, he's, not, he's a great prophet. But he is not the, the almighty God. You see, but even in a statement like that, there's much error. Because if you look at it truly, if humanity were a-okay, and we're all good, then why do we even need to strive to be better? You see, that's where we're at today. We think we're all good, but when you look at humanity as a whole, we're not all good. There's much people hurting. There's much bad things going on. There's much people being taken advantage of and people being disfranchised and all of that. Why? Because of that sin nature. That sin has not been addressed in one's heart and one's life. And so they continue on. As the saying goes, hurt people, hurt people. But bless people, bless people. Again, the line of demarcation. Where do we, where do we come into agreement with? Do we want to be those who bless others? Or do we want to be those that curse others and hurt others? Obviously, I, I believe we're all in the camp of we want to bless other people. And so... We take our marching orders from the scriptures because the scriptures show us clearly how we can live and how we can influence the world for good and bring glory to God. Amen. It's so true. Let me be led by the Holy Spirit in trying to explain this because there's got to be a way that we can uh, no lying, stealing, cheating, murdering, cursing, backbiting and on and on. We go how that can be eradicated. Well, you see, the child could be born or would be born because in the humanity of Jesus, because that was a starting point. That was the starting point of Jesus Christ coming into the world as a 100 percent man. You see, there was a time when humanity was not added to his deity. Right. Because the Godhead, the Trinity lives outside of space and time. The, the only being that ever existed that was not created. Now, I can't, I can't break down and quantify and use all these special terms to explain that, but that's what I truly believe what the scripture says. He lives outside of space and time. You can't, you can't fully grasp it, but you know it's there. You know it's the reality of who he is, right? God exists out of space and time. 
Jesus the Messiah is fully God and fully man. He is the eternal son of God. He never became less God, but he added a human nature to his divine nature and so became one person with two distinct natures functioning together in perfect harmony because we know that life is in the blood and that's why there had to always be a sacrifice for sins to be forgiven, right? And his perfect sinless blood was the final offering of sin, uh, offering to sin. The application is this, that Jesus Christ is both God and man tells us that man really is made in the image of God. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 tells us, Then God said, speaking of the Trinity, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And that perfect humanity is more compatible with a deity than we imagine. That's why you see different religions. They, 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 they praise and worship something. Why? Because there's that God-shaped size hole in them. And they try to fill it with something. Be it a man-made God, be it a deity, be it a statue, be it a, a belief system. We all do that as humans. Because the problem is not our humanity, but our fallenness. You know, to say I'm only human is wrong because Jesus was fully human, yet he was perfect. It's more accurate to say I'm only fallen. <laughs> but again, it takes a lot of humility to say that. It takes humility to say I, I'm messed up. I'm not as I paint myself to be, right? In America, we have Image is everything. And we, we, we dress ourselves up to make ourselves look a certain way so we can project this, this way of being onto other people. But the reality is when you peel back the onion layers, you will find that everyone is broken in some form or fashion. And the only one that can fix that brokenness is Jesus Christ. Important point. But remember that the humanity that Jesus added to his divine nature was not the sinful humanity that we commonly know, but it was the perfect humanity of Adam and Eve before the fall. He was perfect as a human being. No sin in him whatsoever. No trace of it. Jesus remains a man eternal while at the same time fully God. He did not relinquish his humanity on his ascension, but he is now a man in a resurrected body as we will be one day. If Jesus were not fully man, he could not stand in the place of sinful man and be a substitute for the punishment that one deserves. If he were not fully God, his sacrifice would have been insufficient. If Jesus is not fully God and fully man, we are lost in sin. But praise God that that's not the case. Amen? He is fully God and fully man. And next, the scripture goes on to say, and the government will rest upon his shoulder. Ultimately, this will be fulfilled in the millennium, as Lord willing, we'll get to study as we continue on in these weeks in Revelation, when Jesus Christ will rule the earth as King of kings and Lord of lords. Revelation chapter 20, verses 4 and six, four through 6, excuse me, tell us, Then I saw thrones, and seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. Also, I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God and those who had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. Then came to life and reigned. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed. And holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power. But, there, but they will be priests of God and of Christ. And they will reign with him for a thousand years. That's a beautiful picture. That's, that, that's, that, uh, that, that, that's, that, that's what we get to look forward to as believers in Christ. We will reign with him for a thousand years on this earth before all of this will go to dust. Let's look at the contrast. 
real quick between man's rule and Jesus's rule. You see, politicians look for what they can get from you. Is it not true? Politicians look for what they can get. Give me your vote. I get it. That's how the system's set up. And I'm not trying to bash uh, democracy. I, I'm not. I'm not trying to paint a picture as if I, I totally don't agree with the way a uh, system is set up. But I truly believe system has seriously been abused and is very flawed and severely flawed. And there needs to be godly men and women who stand up in the place of government and do their due diligence to do their jobs right. Amen. That's what we need. But politicians, for the most part, look for what they can get from you. While Jesus looks for what he can do for you. Some people say, oh, the Christian life is taking all this away. I can't smoke weed. I can't drink. I can't go to the club. I can't. You know what? He's eradicating things that are going to ultimately destroy you. And he's trying to give you and I eternal life. Oh, I can't cheat on my taxes. And I I can't do this. And I can't do that. I can't. Under the table dealings. Yeah, because he wants you to live with integrity. He wants you to be a reflection of his moral character. But Jesus looks for what he can do for you. The second thing is this. Leaders of this day surround themselves with servants. Oh, I just want to be waited on hand and foot. We see it everywhere from the big wigs on down. I, I, I'll just use this example. You know, Floyd Mayweather. You know, and I'm not disrespecting the man in any way, shape, or form. But, you know, he has an entourage. And what does the entourage do? They wait on him hand and foot because he's money Mayweather. And he makes all kind of bucks. Oh, yeah, do this for me. I'll slip you some money. Do this for you. you know, right? The prominent people of this world want to be waited on. It's, I want to be pampered. The pampered chef. What's that? I haven't been to that restaurant in such a long time. But, you know, that, that's part of the culture. To be esteemed and to be waited upon. Jesus uses his power to wash our feet and make us clean and comfortable. What? What? Not comfortable to live in sin, but, but he, 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 he's waiting on us. Jesus is waiting on us. His disciples, I mean, we, we all understand that back in the day, they didn't have Air Maxes and Jordans and Yeezys and whatever you like, Skechers, whatever, you know, I'm always talking some urban stuff. But, you know, they didn't have steel toe boots. They had some sandals with some little straps, you know, what, what do they call them, slides? <laughs> People are walking in slides out in the Middle East and they're stepping in camel poop and all kind of nastiness and you know what I'm saying that stuff getting under your toenails and bunions and corns and it's just not the business and he's over here getting on his hands and knees and he's washing all these disciples feet what a disgusting job that's the first thing I think of I'm like oh oh what is going on it's hard for me with my kids feet let alone some grown man on it man that's crazy but, but it's the picture of his humility and his servant heart, which is a total contrast from, from what our leaders do today. They want to be surrounded and they want people to serve them. You see, he governs not the way men do. Jesus governs with truth, with integrity, with honesty, without bias. And the scripture goes on and says his name will be called. The idea isn't that these will be the literal names of the Messiah. Instead, that these are aspects of his character. They describe who he is and what he came to do. To the Jewish people, a name doesn't just identify or distinguish a person. It expresses the very nature of his being. That's why when they would name their children certain names, it was like that's what they projected on the children. They wanted them to be that way. That's why you don't see nobody naming their daughter Delilah. And man, I, it's so crazy. So for dog lovers out there, I don't know why, but at my work, found someone who named their dog Jezebel and someone else who named their dog Delilah. And I'm like, man, I do not think y'all are saved. Because why would you name these animals that? Do you know the character of those women? And then, you know, I got, I got, I won't even go there, but I got clients that, you know, they, they express what a, what a female dog is and what, they, what the name is and all. Oh, it's just on and on we go. If you could ever go to my work one day, you would just, it is a riot. But this is the reality of, of what's going on with names, right? The Jewish people knew this. 
And, and, and so we see these names being given to Christ. The Messiah was wonderful. The glory of who he is and what he has done for us should fill us with wonder, right? You can never really look at Jesus Christ, really know him and be bored. That's why I talk about the cross can never get boring to you. If you've truly been converted, you've truly been changed. And that old sin nature in the sense of you being converted has been eradicated and you no longer fall in line with that, you're never going to be like, oh, man, oh, man, Jesus is boring. The Bible's boring. The, the blood of Christ is boring. No, man, you're just going to grow and grow in adoration and appreciation for it because you recognize how deep your depravity was and how you are, you are just saved. And day in, day out, you just get to glory and triumph in the wonder of what he's done for you. He is wonderful and will fill your heart and mind with amazement. The Messiah is our counselor. This is the next name. Jesus is the one fit to guide our lives and should be the Christian's immediate resource as a counselor. Jesus Christ can help you with all your problems. Before you go look into anybody else, look to Jesus Christ. Amen. Prayer. That's where prayer and supplication. If you need to get into fasting, fast. Whatever it is that the Lord calls you to do. But look to him. Seek him on the matter. He will always come through. Always, maybe not in the way you think, but he will come through for you. Amen. He may use, again, the presence and the words of another Christian to do it. But Jesus is our counselor. Jesus Christ is also our counselor in the sense that as God, the son, he takes counsel with the father and the Holy Spirit for our good. The high counsel of the Godhead brought forth our salvation. And in the book of Zechariah, you can read about that. I won't read the verse because we're running out of time. But Zechariah chapter 6, verse 13 tells us this. The application is this. The great counselor, Jesus Christ, guides our lives as the worship team comes up. Remember, there is nothing that happens in your daily life but what is first of all devised in eternity and counseled by Jesus Christ for your good and on your behalf, that all things might work together for your lasting benefit and profit. Uh, an example of this is God's, God's way he dealt with the children of Israel. He wanted them to get out of the wilderness quick, right? That's what the scripture says. He wanted them to get out quick. They were supposed to get to the promised land. But the people grumbled and complained Complained and complained and complained. The manna wasn't good enough. They wanted quail. They, they longed for the meat when they were slaves. They didn't even have meat when they were slaves. They might have served the meat. They didn't even eat the meat. This is how you know, uh, dejected and, and, and wrong perception they, they had in their minds. But if they would have just accepted God's counsel much sooner, they would have spared themselves much grief. You see, Jesus Christ is mighty God. He is the God of all creation and glory, the Lord who reigns in heaven and the one worthy of our worship and praise. Isaiah chapter 10, verse 21, the remnant will return, the remnant of Jacob and the mighty God. This is a clear statement of absolute deity. The Messiah is our everlasting father. The idea is that the Hebrew word is that Jesus is the source and author of all eternity. He is the creator himself. It doesn't mean that Jesus himself is the person of the Father and the Trinity, but that he is in line with the Father. And lastly, the Messiah is the Prince of Peace. He is the one who makes peace, especially between God and man. Now, as we celebrate Christmas in this Christmas season with our loved ones and with our friends, may we truly bring the cheer and joy of knowing we have rest and we have peace in the Savior of the world. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, thank you for just a timely reminder, Lord, of how much you love us. You love us so much that you gave your one and only son to come to this world to die a gruesome death that would appease your wrath and that we wouldn't have to face that eternal Judgment. We wouldn't have to uh, face that eternal fire. Lord, we're so thankful that now we are on the right side of the ledger and that we could live out the remainder of our days on this earth, living for you, bringing honor and glory to you in all that we do. 
Father, I pray you would equip us all as you see fit, that you would help us to have confidence, to find our hope, that you would be our banner, that you would be our strong tower, that you would be our mighty fortress, and that we wouldn't quake and be afraid in the face of opposition, but that we would proudly and boldly proclaim the truth of who Jesus Christ is to a dying world around us. Make it real to us, Lord. May it not just be another thing that we just do, but may we be vested in it, in you. Father, in all this we pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.